1701 to 7194. Plus like 15 euro back in your pocket. That's even more reasons to go full Lidl today. For full list of products, see Lidl.ie forward slash price drops. Blood clots or thrombosis can happen to anybody at any age. Deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolism can lead to severe ill health or even death. Over 5,000 Irish people per year are affected, but some groups are more at risk, like hospital patients, cancer patients, pregnant women, women taking oral hormones. Visit thrombosis.ie. Supported by Beatrice. Coming up shortly, we hear about old-fashioned beehives on display in County Mayo and visit organic vegetable growers in County Kildare. That's all on Countrywide with Brenda Donoghue in about 10 minutes' time. First, though, here on RTE Radio 1 at 8 o'clock, we join Kate Egan in the newsroom. morning. The headlines. The state funeral of the former Taoiseach John Bruton will take place today. Gardaí are continuing to question a woman following the death of a six-year-old boy in County Waterford and a pedestrian has been killed in a road traffic incident on the N2 in County Meath. The state funeral of the former Taoiseach John Bruton will take place in Dunboyne in County Meath today. President Michael D. Higgins and the Taoiseach, Fine leader Leo Vradker, will be among the many political dignitaries that will attend the funeral. Samantha Library reports. John Bruton died on Tuesday at the age of 76 after a long illness. Last night at the reception of the remains of the former Taoiseach and Fine leader at St Peter and Paul's Church in Dunboyne, Mourners were told that John Bruton was a proud family man with an infectious smile, a visionary politician and great statesman who had sown the seeds of peace in Ireland. Today, President Michael D. Higgins and the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar will be among the many political dignitaries that will attend John Bruton's state funeral, the first for a former Taoiseach in a decade. Around 180 Defence Forces personnel will take part in the proceedings. After the Mass, the funeral procession will travel around two kilometres from Dunboyne to nearby Rusk Cemetery, where the Taoiseach will deliver a graveside oration before John Bruton is buried with full military honours. Samantha Library, RTE News, Dunboyne, County Meath. Garthy are continuing to question a woman in her 30s following the death of a six-year-old boy in County Waterford. The child was found unresponsive in a car after emergency services were alerted to an incident at Rathmoylan near Dunmore East early yesterday. He was pronounced dead in hospital later. A vigil will be held at the Cathedral of the Most Holy Trinity in Waterford this evening to offer prayers for the boy's family and the wider community who've been affected. A pedestrian has died in a road traffic incident in County Meath. The man was struck by a lorry on the N2 near Ashburn at around 20 to 10 last night. A section of the road remains closed to allow Garda forensic examination of the scene to be carried out and local diversions are in place. A 44-year-old man will appear in court this morning charged with the attempted murder of a senior police officer in County Tyrone last year. The man was arrested in the Dungannon area on Thursday. Detective Chief Inspector John Caldwell was critically injured after being repeatedly shot at the end of a youth football training session in Oma in February 2023. A number of men are already before the courts charged in connection with Mr Caldwell's attempted murder. 
In the United States, senior members of the Biden administration have rallied to the president's defense after an official report described him as an elderly man with a poor memory. The special counsel, Robert Hur, who's a Republican, cleared Joe Biden of any wrongdoing after investigating his mishandling of classified documents, but said he had struggled during interviews to recall key life events. The vice president, Kamala Harris, criticized Mr. Hur's comments. I have been privileged and proud to serve as Vice President of the United States with Joe Biden as President of the United States. And what I saw of that report last night, I believe is, as a former prosecutor, the comments that were made by that prosecutor, gratuitous, inaccurate, and inappropriate. RTE Radio 1 Weather with Grant. For highly efficient, sustainable home heating for your new build, choose Grant's A++ rated Aerona heat pump. Visit grant.ie. Some patches of mist and fog this morning with outbreaks of rain and drizzle for a time in North Ulster. Scattered showers in the south at first will extend over most of the country through the rest of the day. Some of the showers will be heavy and may cause spot flooding. Highs temperatures 7 to 10 degrees. Here now with it says in the papers is Angus Cox. No fewer than six titles carry the news of the death of a six-year-old boy in County Waterford yesterday, which you may have heard about in the bulletin. A lovely little fella is the headline for the Irish Daily Star, which has been getting reaction from locals in the Dunmore East area who knew the young boy. The Irish Examiner has a picture of the rural area in Rathmoylan, where he was discovered, with the paper saying a woman in her 30s was arrested near the scene and taken to a Waterford Garda station. The Irish Daily Mail says Gardaí made desperate efforts to revive the six-year-old after arriving on the scene of what the paper calls an unimaginable tragedy. For its lead, the Irish Times publishes findings from its latest Ipsos Behaviour and Attitudes opinion poll. It finds that a large majority of people, six out of ten surveyed, favour what's described as a more closed immigration policy to reduce the numbers coming to Ireland. But Pat Leahy and Conor Gallagher's article points out that many of the concerns relate to pressure on public services and housing and that a majority believe immigration has been, on balance, a positive. Asked if they would be more or less likely to vote for a candidate who voiced concerns about immigration, 30% said they would be more likely, with 20% responding less likely. Elsewhere on the front of the Times, it's reported that the government is refusing to allow Russia to replace diplomats assigned to its Dublin embassy, which the Irish security services have been monitoring due to concerns over espionage in recent years. The paper says that, as a result, Moscow's diplomatic presence here has dropped by around half to 14 people at present. Housing supply, or a lack thereof, in regional counties is the main story for the Irish Independent. Caroline O'Doherty reports that there are vast disparities in new home starts between urban and rural areas. Leaning on Central Statistics Office figures, she says the top-performing local authority area, South Dublin, had one new housing unit started for every 83 people living there last year, whereas the worst performer, Roscommon, had only one for every 648 people. The chief executive of University Hospital Limerick, Colette Cowan, has gone on leave, with an acting CEO being put in place. That's according to The Examiner, which says it comes in the same week as overcrowding at the hospital hit a record high. It adds that an email to senior hospital staff stated that Sonia Cotter, Assistant National Director of the HSE, will take up the role of acting CEO. 
Back to the Irish Daily Mail where Ashling Maloney writes that solicitors for former RTE Director General Dee Forbes say they will provide medical evidence in the strictest confidence to prove that she's under medical and psychological care. The paper's political correspondent says that lawyers for Miss Forbes contacted the Oireachtas Media Committee this week to say that she will be unable to appear before it for medical reasons after repeated requests by the committee for her to answer questions about crises at RTE. In the Irish Times, residents of Dunboyne and Meath are pictured forming a guard of honour last night as the hearse carrying former Taoiseach John Bruton made its way to his removal ahead of his state funeral this morning. But finally, to The Independent, where Ellen Coyne speaks with the family of May and Seamus McGee, whom she describes as the reluctant heroes of Ireland's reproductive rights movement. Coyne writes that the otherwise unassuming housewife and fisherman took on the church and state to successfully lift Ireland's effective ban on contraception in what's regarded as Ireland's most important Supreme Court case. In 1972, the couple challenged the prohibition on the importation and sale of contraception. At the time, they had four children and Mrs McGee had suffered serious complications throughout all pregnancies. Seamus McGee, Coyne says, passed away suddenly in his sleep last month. Ingus Cox there, and that's all from the newsroom for now. Sport on RTE Radio 1. Now with the latest sports news, here's Andrew Dupuyer. Kamagat Eric Soccer Adus as Shamrock Rovers beat St. Patrick's Athletic 3 1 to win the President's Cup last night. A brace from Trevor Clark and a Josh Hornahan header saw Rovers come out on top in the League of Ireland curtain raiser ahead of the league getting underway next week. Across the water, there are seven English Premier League games, including second place Manchester City at home to Everton at half 12. League leaders Liverpool host Burnley and Tottenham play Brighton at 3 o'clock. The evening game sees Newcastle away to Nottingham Forest. Jordan faced Qatar in the Asian Cup. Cup final at 3 o'clock today and in the Africa Cup of Nations third place playoff it's South Africa versus DR Congo at 8 o'clock. There are two games in the Six Nations today at quarter past two Scotland hosts France who will be looking to bounce back from their defeat at home to Ireland last week and then at quarter to five England play Wales. Ireland hosts Italy in the Viva Stadium tomorrow in the under 26 Nations Ireland needed a late try from Sean Adogbo on his under 26 Nations debut to beat Italy by 23 points to 22 and keep their Grand Slam ambitions alive Evan O'Connell and Ben O'Connor were the other try scorers as Ireland now sit a point behind England in second there are two games in Division 1 Group A of the National Hurling Leagues today Wexford hosts Offaly at 5 and then it's Cork versus Kilkenny at half 7 Shane Lowry is tied for 28th at the Phoenix Open on the PGA Tour after playing the second round was suspended due to darkness Seamus Power is 2 under par having completed both of his rounds the lead there is shared by Andrew Novak and Nick Taylor on 12 under par on the DP World Tour, Tom McKibben is tied for seventh on five under par heading into his round, his third round at the Qatar Masters. Hayden Barron leads there on nine under. On the Ladies European Tour, Lauren Walsh is tied for seventh at the Kenya Ladies Open on two under par. Olivia Mahaffey is one over par. The leader there is Cara Gorley on five under par. Augustardera Racing today is in Nace where the first of seven jump races goes to post at 20 past one. And you can keep to, up to date with all of today's sport on RT Radio 1 with Saturday Sport or any time on the RT News app or on RT.ie. This is the voice of Alina Garancha. Hailed as one of the most sought-after singers on earth. 
Hear her live with the National Symphony Orchestra at the National Concert Hall on International Women's Day, singing arias by some of opera's greatest heroines, including Joan of Arc, Delilah, Carmen, and more. One performance only, Friday, March 8th. CNCH.ie. What's the point in blending in? Be bold. Choose to stand out in the new Toyota CHR Hybrid Electric. Built using more sustainable materials with fifth generation hybrid electric technology. Fresh style and outstanding design that leaves ordinary behind. The all new Toyota CHR. Toyota, built for a better world. This week on The Business with Richard Curran, Driving for Success, one woman's journey from child refugee to high-end car sales, considering your life's legacy, how to nurture hidden potential at any age, and are grinds a waste of time and hard-earned money? This morning at 10 on RTE Radio 1 and the RTE Radio app. The Business on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. We know that your focus is on your business, that's why ours is on supporting you. Now on RTE Radio 1, time for this week's Countrywide with Brenda Donoghue. Good morning and welcome. On this morning's programme, we go harvesting leeks in County Kildare, we hike in County Galway, and we hear the pre-show hijinks with the Grana players in County Limerick. I'm Brenda Donoghue and I'm with you this morning until 9am. And good morning to our listeners on farms across the country. If you're calving or if some early lambs have arrived, yes, these first weeks of February are so full of hope for brighter days ahead. And there's nothing more hopeful than planting a seed, as I learned on my visit to an organic farm in Ballytorn County, Kildare. Between poor weather, pests, labour shortages, growing organic vegetables is one of the most challenging jobs in agriculture. But if it's the right job for you, then there's no better job. But how do you get started? The Organic Growers of Ireland are currently offering a work placement programme and it is one of the ways to become an organic grower, as I discovered when I visited Liam Ryan's farm in County Kildare. Hello, Brenda, how are you? Hiya, Liam. I'll just turn off the tractor. Yeah. Bring it up, leaks. That's a very old tractor. So it's a classic red Massey Ferguson 35. It's my father's tractor. He had it for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's ideal for horticulture because we don't need a heavy tractor. It doesn't take much fuel and um, doesn't drink much fuel. And it's very light on the ground. And it does all the things we need to do, like ridging, basic tilling. It really works hard. It does an awful lot of work for us. When did you buy this farm? Uh, so yeah, 2003 we bought two fields here. So I grew up in a, a small dairy farm in North Tipperary. I never found myself really good with animals. And then I um, always liked gardening a little bit. And I went away, lived in London for a long time. So I did more and more home gardening, started doing courses. Then eventually I did a, a two year apprenticeship in the, in the UK. Then I came back to Ireland with the idea of setting up here. So 
eventually I, I got to two fields here just started with two fields there was nothing on them and uh, there, it's very good growing land here in South Kildare so it's ideal growing land and you're near a lot of big population and that kind of thing so and just worked it from there and it was a real learning experience year by year trying to get better at one thing and another and um, over time then we kind of specialized in what works the best what sells the best so we do a lot of salad crops and uh, and uh, hand harvested crops we're not big machinery here so it's hand harvested crops and we buy in bigger crops in from other organic growers like potatoes carrots onions and that kind of thing so yeah, and we have a full mixed in at the market to get a really nice uh, selection. And yeah, for me, it's a dream come true. It's, I, I love I love working outside and I love meeting people. It's very social with the farmer's market. Uh, you're meeting customers all the time and you really know where things are going. You, you, you get to talk to people, see what they like. And there's a real community built up between customers and other customers and between us and customers and, and other growers or, and other farmers and everything as well. So we really try and connect everything up, which is a lovely part of this job. Really. So we're going into one of the tunnels here. We're preparing it for uh, salad in the spring. Sure. And so Louise, who did the program here, the work training program, is preparing a bed, raking ground, and we're going to sow salad direct into that. Hello, Louise. Hello. Hiya. You're working away here. I am. Take a break. Take a break. <laughs> <laughs> but you did the organic placement course here. Tell me about that. I did. I did it uh, back in 2016, actually. Yeah. And uh, it was just such a great way into, into this life, you know, into organic growing. And I'm still here working for Liam now eight years later so I really enjoy it uh, well you can probably tell from my accent that I um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm from the city I'm from London originally but my parents are from here I used to be I was teaching and then I was working in homeless services and doing a gardening club and I just realized I loved gardening and so I came to Ireland volunteering on a farm and just discovered I really enjoyed this way of life I was volunteering in Mayo on an organic farm heard about the work placement program and thought oh I wonder could I get onto that you know and came here to Liam's farm in 2016 got a place and it was just such a good experience um, I learned so much just from actually being on a, a real working farm it, it's just you know such a good way to get a whole like holistic picture of what it's like having your own organic business and growing you have to admit it's very hard work and there are challenges you know when the weather is terrible or you're just you know you're working in hard conditions or you're under pressure but the the feeling of of growing your own produce and then bringing it to you know you to your local community and selling it is wonderful and working out in the fresh air um, it's, you know, that really kind of good tired you have at the end of the day, you know, after physical work. Yeah, there's nothing more sort of hopeful than, than sowing a seed and then just, just seeing things develop and learning if no day is the same here. And so doing the, the programme was, was, was fabulous for me because you went to farms all over Ireland and you'd come home like brimming with ideas and enthusiasm, you know, <laughs> I'm going to try that, I could do that. So you're doing the theory side, you know, you're learning a lot about organic standards and practices, but you're also, you know, you're just doing the real work outside, you know, alongside an experienced grower who knows what they're doing. And um, there's no better way to learn, really. Move it a bit closer. We can take off the plastic, I suppose. Just coming into the farm shop here, and there's a man wearing many hats, 
Ronan McLeish. Hiya, Ronan. Hey, you, how you getting on? You are working in the farm shop. I am indeed. You did yeah. the work placement programme with the Organic Growers Ireland. And now what are you doing as well? Well, I'm coordinating yeah. too now as well. So talk about different hats. Yeah. My God. Yeah, so... When did yeah. you do the programme? Yeah, it was four years ago. Nice. You know, and it was just, it was so good. And it's, it's given me such a platform. I was a career changer, you know. So mm -hmm. this is a huge moment for me to be able to find a door you know into a, into a new world sure i'm from bray originally a townie you know and i'm a blowing everywhere i go <laughs> so it's hard you know it's hard when you find something uh, you love like that and grow and and you're looking for an outlet you know and you don't have land access necessarily as well but you still want to be working in the organic horticulture you're looking for that little bit of help it's a really lovely program because you you're there beside the grower you know you're living their passion for it <laughs> you know you're inspired by it you were looking at soil underneath the microscope it's alive you know it's happening it's really exciting if you enjoy being out in all weathers if you enjoy harvesting leaks by hand and you're kind of up for a good northwesterly wind and <laughs> you know maybe a bit of horizontal rain for someone like me who's a career changer and i wish i had heard about it before you know louise would you help alex just uh, to start Genesis. harvesting the corn salad in the tunnel ah uh, sure yeah i'll get the, Liam, the work placement program you've had people do it you've employed them you must get a lot from it yourself Yes, yeah, so there's pe people coming here now for 10 years and they bring a lot of enthusiasm. It's a good sharing of knowledge. I love sh showing people the things uh, we do and the kind of problems we've had and the solutions we've come up with. It's not that it's easy, but the challenge is so rewarding and, and so fulfilling. It's well worth it, yeah. <laughs> And that was Liam Ryan from Moyle Abbey Organic Farm. And look, if you're out and about around the Carlow area this morning, Liam and all the gang are selling their wares at the Carlow Farmers Market. And if organic horticulture is your dream, you can check out all the details on organicgrowersireland.com. Now, the country is abuzz with talk of bees. In Turlock Park, the National Museum of Country Life, just outside Castle Bar, there's a new exhibition called The Murmur of Bees, which opened to the public this week. While down in Malyavorni, Ikunda Korkig, they are celebrating Saint Gubnet, patron saint of beekeepers with a festival. Clodagh Doyle is a keeper of the Folklife Division of the National Museum in Castle Bar, while Padar O'Reardha joins us from Malyavorna. Good morning to you both. David Hassel. Good morning. Good morning, Brenda. How are you doing? Enjoying the rain. Great. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Listen, Claude, first of all, why bees? What made you think this is the right time to put an exhibition um, like this on? Well, we, uh, we have a huge collection of bees in our natural history collection. And, um, and the entomologist is Dr. Aidan O'Hanlon. And, you know, when he heard that I wanted to do an exhibition about an insect he was just so excited because um and bees are obviously they're very topical but just the honeybee is one of our species of bees but there are hundred there's over 110 species in ireland and um, so it's quite interesting and i've learned so much just putting this exhibition together with Tiernan gaffney and aiden um it's amazing so only the honeybee um only females sting and you know the idea that one bee a bee 
will die after it stings you. That's just one species of bee. And I've learned all about bumblebees and everything else. But well, I'm, I'm going to give you a quiz now. Collection. Claude, I'm going to yeah. quiz you in a second. But <laughs> bees okay. and honeybees, they've been part of life here for centuries. Mm. And I believe you've one of the oldest timber beehives on display. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, we've we have a, a beehive on display, and we have it's it's a timber beehive, as you say. It's designed based on the CDB, which is the Congested District Board um, beehive. So, in the, the late eighteen hundreds and the eighteen nineties, the Congested District Board wanted to kind of help people supplement their income, so they subsidised beehives, and they had this particular type of beehive. So we have one of them on display, but it was made in the nineteen fifties and sixties. No, the nineteen fifties, and it was made by John Gallagher, who was from Balik in County Fermanagh. And he would have made, he had 13 hives. Um, he started with just one swarm of bees in the boot of his car, but he, he went on to have 13 hives and we just happened to have one of them. So, um, I, yeah, so his, there's an awful lot. That's it. Yeah. Um, Claudia, there's yeah. an awful lot on display there. And Pather, I know later this morning, you, you've had bees around you all your life, mm-hmm. but you're going to be showing a short film about making a skep. Can you tell us a little bit about your own connection with bees and about the skep as well? Well, I, I started beekeeping. I was aware of bees all my life growing up. My father, Sean O'Reilly, kept bees when we were originally in Dublin and then later on. But he was the kind of beekeeper that would stand back and let somebody else do the work. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> when he died then, I was 16 going 17, I had to tell the bees that the master was dead. And so I became their new master and promptly... Wow. started finding ways of people that would teach me about them. And one of the things early on was uh, a man called Paddy Creed, who was a friend of a neighbour of mine, Sean Leonard, uh, taught us how to make skeps out of the old sedge grass, or fanon, as we call it, which is much better than straw, which is the European way of doing it. Um, because the fanon has, is a, has not a hollow stem, it's a grass, so it doesn't loosen as it ages. And it's very clean, it's based on acid soil. So it lasts for years and years. So I keep bees in skeps. I keep them in WBCs and CDBs and in, in top bear hives lately, which I've seen working in Africa. And can I go back to something you just said earlier there? You talked about your father, uh, Sean O'Reilly, uh, uh, having bees and then telling the bees. I mean, this is a tradition that you tell the bees news. Isn't that right, uh, Pather? Well, and bees, tell us about that particular occasion, if you don't mind. Uh, well, bees have a very close relationship with whoever is managing them. Um, for example, when they're about to swarm at home, often they will come and fly against the window of the kitchen beforehand, as if to alert me to the fact. Or if they want to abscond, they most certainly will not tell me and just disappear when I'm not at the house. But uh, on that occasion, that was a Sunday morning. My father died in a very early Sunday morning. We got the news. And one of the first people to the house, a great friend of his, told me, did I tell the bees? So I said, no. He said, you better tell them because this is a custom that they die that winter if the master is dead and they've not been passed on. So I did. I don't know how I did it, but I did. Um, usually people put a little bit of black material on the hives also to show that they're in mourning. 
uh, and that's the kind of symbiotic relationship that's there. I don't use equip, um, veils and things usually when I'm beekeeping. Uh, I prefer the other method, which is called a good run. Mm. And when you're listening to them, you know, if they're getting angry and you're, you're fiddling with them at a time that they don't want you to. So just quietly close and fold the camp and run away and come back the next day. Takes a lot of knowledge to get to that stage, though, Pather. And Claude, I'm, I'm the tradition of telling bees, it, as, as Pather's described his own situation there, but it's it's widespread across Britain as well. Yeah, it is. And in fact, when Queen Elizabeth II died there recently, I think that was it was said that her the royal beekeeper went out to tell the bees that the queen had died. You know, so it's very important and. It's kind of about that relationship that humans have with bees and that sense of the respect that humans have always given um, to the bees. And in Ireland, like we've always respected bees and, you know, it's the only insect that we actually manage. We don't we've never managed to tell ants how to move things or do anything else. We just it's the honeybee is the only um, it's the only insect that we actually manage. So but, yeah, it's interesting about telling the bees and telling the bees that the queen had died was just quite incredible, really. It is. And, and I'm just looking at the whole St. Gubnet connection as well. And and Pather, St. Gubnet is the patron saint of bees and it's her feast tomorrow. Lots planned down your neck of the woods. There is. Yeah, well, this is the first year that a whole lot of Gubnets got together. That's they crazy, started last year yeah, and they decided <laughs> that they would um, uh, come together on St. Abbey's Day or St. Gubnet's Day. And there's a full programme which started last night when they gathered together. And uh, then there is the 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 um, today then there's a whole series of lectures in the Unicultura starting this morning at ten o'clock. Um, there is a, a medieval statue which is called uh, Dal of Government, which is measured uh, for cures uh, once a year when it's pulled out. It's a med- it's very old and there's two models made of it now so that the wear and tear mightn't be as bad. And uh, Bishop Preen is launching those at quarter past ten. Then we have the archaeologist, the local archaeologist, but the national archaeologist at the same time. Connie Keller is giving a talk. Finbar Moore is giving a talk. Tiernan Gaffney and Conor Lynch, who published a book last year in Government, and then I'm finishing it off at quarter past 12. So, and then they're, they're, they're doing a lot of strange things today. Uh, there's a hunt for the, the white deer being organised by Billy O'Hillahe. That's for kids, I think, more than anything. It's just walks, of course, and so on. And then there's a bowling competition at three o'clock for the w- w- gobnets, only gobnets, you know, <laughs> if you're a Mara gobnet or Eileen gobnet or gobnet or whatever. And then uh, tonight, uh, Emma Langford is giving a concert uh, at, uh, um, in the Unit Cultura. Uh, and then tomorrow, obviously, is St. Gobnet's Day, Mass and Coolay, 10, 11, 13, Ballywurna. And there's a walk up in the graveyard at, where she's buried at half one. And there's the usual annual prayers there at three. And then there's, uh, uh, you can do the measure and another mass at four in Ballywurn. And then there's uh, the Rinky Homer, the dancing okay. schooler, doing an exhibition on St. Gubnet. Pather, Pather, yeah. I wish I was called Gubnet. I'm really missing <laughs> out. <laughs> Listen, oh, you'd have fun this weekend. <laughs> we'd have fun. Listen, it all sounds amazing. And it, it's incredible the connection between the exhibition 
and between the festival as well. It's so good of you to talk to me. Garmila Magwev. And if you're in West Cork, you can find out details, although you've heard them all there from Pather of Fela Nave Government on goeltokmuskerig.ie and the murmur of bees will continue at the National Museum in Turlock for the rest of this year and beyond. And I'm just thinking about it. It is the midterm. So, you know, it could be mm-hmm. a lovely thing to do uh, with your children, not just this midterm, but as I said, it's going on for the rest of the year and beyond. Thank you both very much. Enjoy the rest of the day. Gormila Mahagwiv. Thank you. Now, on last week's programme, we heard from Jared Butler. He's a lighthouse keeper at Galleyhead in County Cork. He told us the story of the voyage of the sailing ship, the Joseph Spratt, from the South China Sea in 1871 to where it was wrecked off the Cork coast on the 20th of February, 153 years ago this month. All souls on board are believed to have perished, but one small girl survived. Her life was saved by the foresight of her parents who strapped her to a chest which floated as the ship sank. The little girl grew up in Ireland and became a nurse in London. A countrywide listener, John Davenport from County Wicklow, he heard the story last week on the programme. He emailed us this poem he wrote in response. This is The Sea Gift. When the storm came, the first thing they thought of was how light she was and how she would not survive the battering. But there was a travel chest in that nook cabin, so they strapped her to the lid before it got too bad, before the ship broke bit by bit, and the water poured and the sailing ship went down. Nothing, and no one came up from that swell but a small sealed chest bopping on the surface of life with two hands bleaching on its top. After they found her, beached, frozen, and untied her, and brought her to our fireside, she began to thaw and live among us as one of our own. Not a mermaid, not different, but very much a girl, wanted by life, not death, untethered by the very ties that bind. The girl became a woman and a nurse, And the circle closed, love being the thing that lifts all souls, like a soft tide rising. Perhaps some nights, when she sat lonely, a moon would rise into the high window and sail there alone in a blue-black sea, and she would think of frantic fingers making love knots in the darkness, and how hot, just how hot, is the feeling of love. And having heard only the bones, is it my place to pull her story from the deep? But I do it in good faith. I do it only to say that we all live in the space made by others, in this small island of our earth. And that is John Davenport reading his poem, The Sea Gift. John, thanks so much for sending it in and for recording it for us. We really do appreciate it. Lots more coming up on Countrywide after this quick break. Email countrywide at rte.ie With colder months bringing a drop in temperatures, energy bills can put households under increased pressure. To help, Government has put in place a range of supports to ensure everyone stays warm this winter. Other assistance is available too. If you are experiencing difficulty paying your energy bills, please contact your energy supplier to arrange a payment plan. 
For advice on your rights, visit cru.ie. If you are over 60 and worried about energy bills, contact a loan. If you are struggling with debts, including energy bills, contact MABS. Be sure to check the information available at gov.ie forward slash reduce your use. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Board Gosh Energy have just dropped prices of electricity and gas for the second time in four months. This means our customers and new customers will soon feel the difference in their energy bills from February the 29th. Switch to us today or stick with us as our customers will save up to €331 Euro a year. Board Gosh Energy. Imagine a better way. Annual savings figures for dual fuel are compared against our standard residential gas tariff and our standard residential electricity urban 24-hour tariff on January 16, 2024. T's and C's apply. RTE Radio 1. Cirque du Soleil returns with its insect-themed extravaganza, OVO. The show that's swarming with energy and excitement. Catch it at Free Arena Dublin from April 18th to 21st. Tickets available now from Ticketmaster.ie. Cirque du Soleil, OVO. Tickets available now. Entertainment updates on RTE Radio 1. Countrywide on RTE Radio 1. And you're very welcome back to Countrywide this morning. It's Brenda here um, until nine o'clock. Five one double five one is our text. Now, there is a sweet spot between the new year and spring calving where local drama groups take to the stage in the dairy heartlands. Down in Grana, near Croom in County Limerick, the Grana players have been entertaining the crowds with a play called The Huckle Book. With a last performance tonight in the community hall, it is true to say that there's as much action and drama behind the scenes as there is on stage, as Dermot McIntyre of Grey Heron Media discovered. Lights on, some heat, filling up the kettle for all the teas and coffees. The cast like a, a little coffee before they start. Seems to give them a kick, so we have to do that, have to do that. Is it all ready? Mary O'Regan is my name. We're in Granite Community Centre getting ready to put on our production of The Huckle Buck by Jack Reardon from Clonmel. All the actors are starting to arrive now and our makeup lady, Mary Morrissey, she is there doing all the fellas. She does their makeup and they love it. They love being pampered. They sit back and just relax into it. Ah, she does it. Yeah, lovely job on them. Luckily, the girls generally look after themselves. They all do their own makeup. Liam Houlihan. I'm playing the part of man boy in the play. You've got some of the makeup on already. Yeah, Mary doing her level best to knock a couple of years off there. And she does a good job at it too, now it has to be said, and she doesn't have good materials to work with. And that's not her makeup I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, here comes the first customers. Ten to seven. <laughs> and the curtain up at eight. And yeah. On the dot. We're very traditional here. We don't go through booking.com or anything like that. So people have to turn up kind of early if they think the play is going well. It's as much a gathering as the play, is it? It is, and that's the great thing. I mean, you when you go around afterwards and see who's here and talk to them, and then they meet up with friends as well. So it's lovely. I like to be here early anyway, you know settle down think about it and think about the lines and where you hope to go with it you know this this play is challenging enough my character is interacting with the audience more than he's actually interacting with anybody else on stage there's an atmosphere building when we first came in it was nice and quiet but now 
you can hear the volume is slowly starting to increase and then you'll have which you can't replicate anywhere the sound of a hall slowly filling and people conversing and you'll have nice low conversations and then they'll start to get a bit louder and then all friends will meet up and there'll be something even louder again that noise is part of what builds you into the moment of getting out there and then the silence when you're on stage for one second and the whole place goes quiet and it's all gone and then you go and you fill that space Getting my hair done, yeah. It's all to look good on stage. Beauty feels no pain. <laughs> Do I love you, baby? Baby, baby, baby. Now, Eileen Reid, you're ready. Not only is she merely the leading actress, but she also does the hair. So she's putting hairs up in beehives for the singers and the dancers. So I can barely breathe for all the hairsprays and the odorants. <laughs> You're welcome. There's more where that can Makeup, hair, outfits, lots of hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. beehives will be up in a minute. We joined together. Yes, we six, did. Six years ago. Six years. And we had one line each. Yeah. And then year by year, we're giving more and more lines. <laughs> And the buzz, we're loving the buzz. Yeah, yeah. The whole month of January, people are saying, oh, are you in the play again this year? Oh, you're practising, how many nights a week are you practising? Lots of questions. Yeah, it's a big, big talking point. Just such an energy. I'm like, we're still half an hour from curtain. You're trying to get the energy up for the show as well. So that's why we're singing a few songs, talking about last night, how it went, how we can make it even better again. And if you have that high energy, it gets to the audience as well. And then the audience get going. And they're and clapping along. I can do whatever. Yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. I'm just trying to get somebody else done before you before we get started. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you are go go. So you're about to be the main character and you're doing all the hair. Should we have great fun? It's all part of it, isn't it? Come ready. Be ready. It helps. It doesn't give the chance to get nervous then. So you'd have a lot of lines then? Had plenty lines, yeah. Plenty lines. <laughs> plenty lines. Yeah. And you just hope and trust in your brain that they're there and go with it and she's she's a lot to say in my character in this play really she's a woman of 1969 so it would have been of a time where women were very restricted she knows that they're being wronged how is she going to make her life different to her mother and her grandmother who live with her but we're trying to be our character and trying to get into the music of it, get into the mode of it, get into the tone of it and, and try our best to be as true to our characters as we can. This is my third night coming. Uh, I'm a ticket seller, raffle tickets at half time. There's so many involved behind here, isn't there? Everybody in the community is involved at some levels. The people out on the road at the moment are having a very tough time because there's no room to park. There's cars back as far as the eye can see, both sides of the road and down by the church and school. The actors have uh, put in months and months of work into this cold nights when the hall was freezing cold now it's time to show their talent and they've been amazing so lots of excitement the table is groaning with goodies we don't do things by half here do we Emma there's a couple of fantastic bakers now on duty tonight there is roulade with fresh raspberries and grated chocolate and freshly whipped cream and various home baked buns and tarts this isn't just to keep the cast going no no it's for the audience after as well we invite them in at the end of the play and people come and 
and have a chat and meet the cast and socialise. It's for king, really, isn't it? <laughs> so I still feel like a newbie and it's an apprenticeship of observation. You're just, you're watching the ladies do it. It's second nature to them. You want to make sure you don't let anybody down then. I was in charge of making sandwiches tonight and I was making sure that it was done right, done proper. You want a mixture of things. We're not afraid to try something new, like cheese, peppers and chutney. You can't stray too far from a ham sandwich though. That might be got cold on you, so there's a hot drop or there's the... Not just granite, but others around as well. They're keeping the community alive by doing these productions year in, year out. It's all voluntary. It's giving back to our community. This is what we can do. You know, some other people can do great other work, whether it's tidy towns or other clubs. But this is our niche and this is where we're trying to, to do it, aren't we, Kieran? There's a serious side to this story, but also because people know us, you want to make them laugh. It's a complete escape. Yeah, and that is. is definitely the draw for us, isn't it? Here's your local hairdresser and she's going back and names our local farm and like, and they enjoy that, seeing yeah. us become somebody else for two hours. When we're on that stage, we know that this is our big moment. This is our Broadway. Everybody's seated. Everybody's ready to go now. How many people have we got, would you say, Joe? Oh, they'd be in excess of 200, I'd say maybe 210, 220. And we'd have that amount for six nights. Lovely buzz, isn't there? The amount of noise. When the actors are backstage, ready to get going, this noise is really important to them. You know, because it builds the atmosphere. They can hear the crowd. The excitement builds. Their nerves are building. Their adrenaline is pumping. Looking forward to it myself. It's fall to arrive, Galear. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, big change from last year. There were bombs and bullets flying across the stage. This year we're rock and rolling. It's so much more relaxing. So your exits, two on your right, two on your left, life jackets under the seat, and we're ready to go. And that final extra performance of the Huckle Book by the Grana Players takes place tonight at 8pm in the Community Hall. Follow an incredible demand. Make sure you get there early. Very early. In fact, I would say pack a lunch. Go there now. Start queuing. Um, well done, everybody. And thanks to Dermot McIntyre of Grey Herring Media.